Hey, Pastor Mike. The young woman said, who was sitting on the aisle right about there. Do you remember me? I looked at her kind of familiar face and tried to smile and nod, but inside the alarm was going off in my brain. Mayday! Mayday! This is about to be very, very awkward. <laughs> oh, I want to do so badly. But there's something I need to confess to all of you today as a church and those of you who are watching at home. All, all of you, because there's so many of you, are super hard to remember. I really want to. I really try to. Um, I, I know that your name matters and your story matters and your highs matter and your lows matter. I love meeting you, introducing myself to you, getting to sit down with you. But one of the curses about being so blessed with so many people is that it means even the most basic things become really, really difficult to remember. I tried. Do you know there's a, a church, printed church directory? It's the only thing that sits next to my computer on my office desk. And every week, I page through it and I try to remember all 700 names and then I scroll through all the guests that I've met, those of you who aren't members of our church family and I try to memorize all of those and there's all of you who I don't have on the list just yet that I meet for the first time on a Sunday morning and that's just the name part. And it's super hard to remember. So if y'all could just do me a favor and uh, go to your favorite tattoo artist this week and just first and last, just right on your forehead, in Jesus' name, Amen. <laughs> yeah. And if you have the same problem that I do, like you, you want to remember things, you, you know that it's important, but it doesn't all stick in your brain for the first time. A quick confession, pop quiz. Uh, how many of you here find it much easier to remember faces than names? Yeah, is that you? Anyone here ever had that moment where you introduce yourself to someone and literally 10 seconds later, your brain is saying, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I honestly just don't remember 10 seconds ago. <laughs> How many of you frequently have to totally guess at your username and password? <laughs> yes, me too. Um, students, be honest, how many of you have ever gotten to school and you realize that you didn't remember your lunch, your homework, your uniform, your stuff? Yeah? Parents, how many of you have ever been at home and you realize, I forgot my kid? <laughs> I was supposed to pick them up and they're texting you like, where are you at, mom and dad? All right, here's the real one. Couples, if you're dating someone, how many of you have ever forgotten a birthday or an anniversary. Yes, I'm, Jesus forgives many things, but sir, you are in trouble for that. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's so dangerous. So, like we, know, we know these things matter and we want to remember them, but even the really important things are hard to not forget. Now, why am I telling all of you that in church? Because the exact same thing is true when it comes not just to names and passwords and, and homeworks and pickup times and dates. The same thing is true with the most important parts of our faith. Just because God matters more than anything, just because his word is powerful and active and life-changing doesn't mean that the first time we hear it, we're instantly going to remember it. In fact, there's this passage from Deuteronomy 6, way back in the days of Moses, 3,500 years ago, where Moses said this to God's people. He said, quote, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. That's a pretty big thing to forget, would you agree? <laughs> he didn't say, well, be careful you don't miss point number nine of 72 on the things that I've just taught you. He, he started with the biggest, most basic thing. You people, be, be very, very careful 
that you don't forget God himself. And that passage reminds me of a truth I want you to write down because it's so important. It's the problem that you and I and so many of us wrestle with. Here it is, that people of faith forget. Even though we don't want to, even though we don't try to, it it happens. We forget God and what God wants and what God has said and what God has done. Now, I've been a Christian for just about 40 years and I found that there's really two seasons of life where I tend to be really forgetful. And maybe you've been here. I tend to be forgetful when things are really good and I can also be very forgetful when things are not good. Which is my way of saying I can always be forgetful. (laughs) Sometimes life is so good, right? There's so much to do. You're healthy, you're strong, you're running, you got the job, the the friends are messaging you, there's, you know, your romantic life and there's your financial life, there's opportunities, there's sports. When life is really good, sometimes you're so busy that like life flies by and you forget. You forget that God and what God loves and what God values and what God prioritizes, when your life is said and done, that is the stuff that will matter the most. But in the blur of constant blessings, in the midst of a really good, fast-paced life, it's easy to forget. And then there's the bad times. There's this part about pain, it's in its very nature, that pain will take almost all of your attention, right? Something bad happens, you get the news that things are falling off at work, um, maybe you suffer the pain of just mental health struggles, you're, you're anxious today, you're super depressed today, someone dies, you're betrayed, you get a bill in the mail that you didn't expect. When, when pain happens, we just, like, all the things we learned in church go out the window instantly and zoom. Our hearts just get captivated by the scary thing, this unnerving thing, this really difficult thing. Has this happened to you before? It's like, you could be in church and you could be learning that there is a God and he is a God of love and he puts people in place for a purpose that what you're going through, it's no accident. Like God wanted you here to teach you something really, like you can say amen to that. You can sing the closing song of praise to that. But then, then you walk out of church and real life hits you. And it was like the sermon didn't even happen, right? You're afraid. You're looking at the comments on social media and now you're angry. Someone gives you attitude at home and it's just, it's like your your brain, even if you're a person of faith, quickly forgets. That sometimes happens when certain people walk into the room that you don't really get along with. Like you could be reading a devotion in your Bible at home about the importance of love, right? Just be loving and love is kind and love is patient and love's not easily angered and you say, yes, yes, that's the kind of person I want to be and then that person shows up. <laughs> and like every, every verse of scripture just gets squeezed right out of your body and you're tense and you're moody and you're passive or you're aggressive or you're passive aggressive and, and you know that it matters, right? You know just to love people even if they're your enemy to turn the other cheek to show them grace but but we forget. If you're a person or your family that struggles with anxiety, this is huge, isn't it? Like anxiety, when it comes on strong, it just makes you forget. God's got the whole universe 
in the palm of his hand. The nations are like a piece of dust. It's not a, he's not anxious about it. But when you feel anxious, you, you get so focused on the what ifs and you forget about the one who holds all the what ifs in the palm of his hand. If you battle depression and you're in like the darkest valley, you just get so self-critical and you feel so unlovable and you forget that God has made a promise that he will journey with you into the darkest valley, the valley of the shadow of death. You don't have to be afraid even in those moments because he's right there with all of his people. Right? The biggest things of life, the love of God, the forgiveness of Jesus, the way we treat people. We know here and now that this matters, but when life happens, we so quickly forget So here's the big question I want to wrestle with today. How do you remember? If that happens to you, if it happens to all of us, even with the most important things, how do you not forget? Is there anything we can do or is this just the human condition and we're always going to be forgetful? Well, and then you die and God will fix it. Well, today we're going to find an answer in the book of Esther. The book of Esther is going to offer us this answer And it's going to tell us something very specific that you and I can do that will help us remember. Will it be a light switch? Like you'll never forget again after I say amen? No. But you're going to learn a really practical tip of what you can do to kind of turn up the dimmer switch of your own memory and stay constantly connected to the most important things of the universe. So today we're going to wrap up this six-week study of the book of Esther. And just in case it's your first time here in this six-week series, or just in case some of you didn't remember, See what I did there? All right, I'm going to give you the one-minute recap of the book of Esther. Someone timing me? All right, here goes. Around the year 480 BC, there was this pagan Persian, kind of perverted king named Xerxes. He had this first ever season of the Persian Bachelor where he slept with dozens, if not hundreds of women, and he chose one, an orphan named Esther, to be his new bride. Esther had a cousin slash dear family member named Mordecai, and King Xerxes had a right-hand man and good friend named Haman, and that was a problem because Haman and Mordecai hated each other. In fact, Haman hated Mordecai so much that he passed this law called the Purge that on one day of the year, everyone could kill all the Jewish people in their neighborhood. And he didn't want to wait till that day. He wanted to kill Mordecai even before that day came. But God puts people in place for a purpose. And he used Queen Esther for such a time as this. She saved her dear cousin Mordecai. Haman came down with justice upon his head. He died. And then on that fateful day, all the Jewish people, by a new decree of King Xerxes, were able to stand up and defend themselves. When they heard the decree, they felt joy. And then they decided to fight. And by the grace of God, they were able to win. And when all was said and done, the Jews had survived. The Holocaust didn't happen. Hitler's plan wasn't carried out. Was that under 60 seconds? All right. That brings us to today. And here we are. And the question is, how would they not forget that? Like, it was a huge moment in the story of the Jewish people, but people are forgetful. So as life got back to normal, how would they not forget, like, their salvation from annihilation? How would the people who weren't born yet remember these incredible moments in the history of the Jewish people? That was the question, and Esther's cousin Mordecai had the answer. So jump with me into Esther chapter 9, where we read these words. It says, Mordecai recorded these events and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes near and far to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy and their mourning into a day of celebration. 
He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Therefore, these days were called Purim, from the word poor. Because of everything written in this letter, and because of what they had seen and what had happened to them, the Jews took it on themselves to establish the custom that they and their descendants and all who should join them should without fail observe these two days every year in the way prescribed and at the time appointed. You catch it? How is Mordecai going to help the people remember? The calendar. He decided to pass a decree that the Jewish people should celebrate annually. And it was a bit like Christmas. Two days, nobody works, we're going to eat a lot, we're going to donate to the poor, and we're going to give gifts to each other. And just like you aren't shocked that it's Christmas, because it's on the calendar, the Jewish people wouldn't be shocked about Purim because every single year, they would take two days on their calendar, the 14th and 15th of the month of Adar. That was the 12th month of the Jewish year. And I want you to notice just how official this was. All right, I noticed things in my Bible like they were to observe the days. Um, what else did Haman say? They established the custom. Mordecai, I mean. They should without fail observe these two days every year in the way prescribed and at the time appointed. This was a, like official, we're all going to do it, and when we do it, we're not going to forget the great things that God has done for us. And they called this brand new Jewish holiday Purim. Uh, grab a pen. Let me help you understand what that is. Uh, the Hebrew word pur, P-U-R, simply means lot. You've heard of casting lots before? Uh, a poor was the name of like a little stone or a piece of pottery that they would write. You know, you could put a name on it or a month on it. And I am in Hebrew is just like S in English. It's plural. So if poor is lot, pari means lots. So in the story of Esther, when they were trying to pick which month this big battle would happen with the Jewish people, they had all the months, maybe on little pieces of pottery. And among those parim, those many pieces, they picked one and it decided the dates when the big battle would happen. And so Mordecai decided, well, since you know, we were delivered and rescued from our enemies in the process of picking a parim, let's capitalize the P, and this will be our brand new official holiday. And now here we are, not in 480, 470 BC, we're in 2020s AD. And did you know that to this very day, 2,500 years later, Jews around the world still parim? And in fact, they parim pretty hard. <laughs> I actually stumbled upon this when I was in uh, Israel just before COVID started. I remember we were setting up to watch this, uh, record this video, and a bunch of kids, like in Halloween costumes, started walking past. A princess and a little cowboy. Like, what? What exactly is this? And then some dude, I think he wasn't wearing a shirt, had this big 80s style boombox and it was like 10 in the morning. He's like pumping EDM dance too. It's like, what is happening right now? And then, then they told me it's Purim. And two days every year, whether you're a religious person or not, you take time off work, you donate to charity, you feast with your friends, you exchange gifts, you, you party, you celebrate. 
But it's been two and a half millennia since the book of Esther happened, and yet Jews today still remember. I remember having lunch one time in the second floor cafe, looking down and seeing a bunch of young guys in yarmulkes, like frat boys, with arms around each other, bottle, full bottles of wine in their hand, red solo cups. <laughs> they were preeming, and they were preeming very hard. And then I learned about these. Ever seen one of these before? Um, on Purim, Jewish people will read the entire book of Esther, start to finish, all 10 chapters, and they have a custom that every time the name of Haman is mentioned, which I think is 54 total times, all the people in the congregation will stamp their feet, ah, yell, and they'll grab one of these, it's called a Gregor, and they will. <laughs> 54 times. <laughs> Parents, it's a new school year. If your kids have trouble getting out of bed, I'm selling right here at the core. Two for 10, Gregor's. <laughs> All right, son, I warned you twice. And boom, they shout the name of Haman. They actually make little cookies called Haman Tashin, which is Hebrew for Haman's ears that they eat, like they're devouring this enemy named Haman. They have custom after custom after custom after custom that draws them back to the story of Esther. My favorite one, I'm not endorsing it, but I want to tell you about it. Some not all rabbis, but some rabbis have a custom that God wants us to celebrate, right? Well, how do you celebrate? Well, you drink. Well, how much should we drink? Years ago, some rabbis said, you drink until you can't tell the difference between someone saying, cursed be Haman and blessed be Mordecai, which turns out to be quite a lot of alcohol. In fact, if you would look up Purim on Wikipedia, you would find maybe one of my favorite pictures in the world. Can I show it to you? All right, here it is. <laughs> Just sit back and enjoy this. <laughs> All right, on the bottom are the, are the Jewish elders, right? They have their fancy hats and just, just enjoy the expressions for a second. So one, one guy in the middle is like preaching with eyes half open. The guy next to him is mad about something and the guy next to him is just totally done with the conversation. Then the second row are the middle-aged guys like me. You see the one on the left? He's done for. The guy right next to him is my favorite. Look how he's enjoying that fan right there. He is like rosy cheeks and leaning into it. The guy in the middle is preaching his own sermon and the guy to his right is just really mad about life. But my, my favorite, all the way on the right in the second row, do you see him? Big fuzzy hat, full face palm. He is having a bad day. And notice all the bottles of wine and the tipped over cups. That is Prem. <laughs> now, well, let me say it again. I'm not endorsing drunkenness at this point in the sermon. Here's the point I want to make to you. I'll take the picture down so you're not distracted by that. Did you know that the, the average secular Israeli knows more about this part of the Bible than the average Bible-believing Christian? Right, there are tons of people, millions of people in the nation of Israel and around the world who even if they don't believe in God, even if they don't think this book comes from God, they know the people and the plot and the events of the book of Esther way better than many of us who follow Jesus and believe the scriptures come from the Holy Spirit himself. So my question to you is, how is that possible? If we, if we value it, as Holy Scripture more than other people. How do they know more than we do? And the logical answer is? The calendar. They have something intentionally bit, built into the rhythm of their lives that doesn't let them 
forget. It's my big idea for today. The calendar is what helps us remember. If you want to remember the things of God, if you don't want to forget the biggest parts of our faith, then the answer isn't just to say this is important, this is important. The answer is to build something into the rhythm of your life that will help you to remember. All right, so let's make this practical. How how do you and I do that? I have to put a big pause button kind of asterisk moment right now in the sermon. And I need to tell you that we need to be very careful answering this question because we don't want to add rules that the Bible does not have. Okay? Over the years, some Christians and some churches and some denominations have actually created an official church calendar, a church year, so they don't forget the day of Pentecost or the baptism of Jesus. They invented the season of Lent, if you've heard of that before. Good Friday, Holy Week. All those things are great, but they're not commanded by God. And so you and I must not judge each other by the individual specifics of how we remember. Did you know for about the first 300 years after the birth of Jesus, they did not celebrate the birth of Jesus in December? So if you want to remember that Jesus was born for you in April or July, baby Jesus, is super chill with that, right? And if you don't want to worship on a Sunday morning, but a Sunday afternoon or a Tuesday night, if your spiritual community chooses to gather in those moments, that, that doesn't make God mad. All right, so let's not judge each other by the specifics. But there are two principles that I want to share with you today that have really run throughout the Old Testament and the New and all of church history. Two things that you and I can put into our calendar that will help us remember. All right, write these two down. Number one, is a weekly worship service. A weekly worship service. If you don't want to forget about Jesus and everything he's done for you, one of the smartest, most biblical things you can do, the Bible puts it this way, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Every seven days, Instead of trying to figure out, oh, do I have time or not? Do I feel like going to church or not? Has it been a busy weekend or not? To build into your calendar every seven days a gathering around God's word with God's people. For some of you, you've done that your whole lives. Some of you grew up like that and then you got to like high school or college and you said, I'm, I'm kind of done with that. Some of you are kind of getting reconnected to church and you you show up once or twice a month. That's kind of the new average in America. What I'm encouraging you today, what the Bible actually is encouraging you, is to make every Sunday a don't miss moment for the message about Jesus. And I'm not saying that to you because I want to just like take your time. I'm saying that to you because I've pastored people for 15 years and what I know is that it's very hard for them to remember. I'm guessing when you walk out these doors, there's not a ton of people who talk to you about your sinfulness and your salvation through Jesus. Right? You probably don't go to your staff meeting on Monday or your geometry class and someone says, hey, everyone, I just want to let you know that even though we're bad, Jesus was so good to us, wasn't he? There are many, you're not like watching a show on Netflix and the plot is really about the redemption that came through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Like, I'm, That doesn't happen out in the world. It doesn't embrace or prioritize the gospel. So what I want for you is the chance every week to hear about unconditional love. 
Like to know whether it was a good week, a so-so week, a total train wreck of a week, when your conscience is just reminding you of where you've fallen short, I don't, I don't want you to go seven straight days without hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Your heart, your soul, the joy of knowing that like God is for you He's not mad at you. He's with you. His face shines when he thinks about you. I want you in this crazy broken world and in your crazy broken behavior to be able to come back constantly and hear this one beautiful thing that Jesus died for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, some people, especially if they're about 14 or 15, think, I know that, obviously. I've been hearing that. Every day when (laughs) mom drags me to church and gets me out of bed, I would never forget that. But listen, I've run into people 10 years down the road and it's not that they don't know Jesus died on a cross. What? Never heard that before. Is that that battle in the heart between shame and freedom? Between being totally confident that you're good with God and the doubts and questions of you hope you're good with God? That's real. Faith, the Bible says, comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through this word about Christ. And so I want to encourage you, I want to nudge you, I want to challenge you, I want to invite you to grab your calendar and just put the repeating event and when the phone asks, well, when does it end, you just write in, when I die. Because every Sunday, God will bring you here for a purpose. It might be to teach you something new, it might be to remind you of something old, but in both cases, God just wants you to remember. Hey, you ever... Sunday church goers, do you notice how helpful this is? Is it just me or does something happen like on Tuesday that makes me think, we just talked about this on Sunday, right? Like a friend reaches out to you and you're like, this is, this is a crazy coincidence. Literally, we just sang a song about that. Pastor Michael had a reading about that. Like you, you will be shocked at how practical the scriptures are when you're constantly connected to them. God will not let these services be in vain. He will use them for the purpose of blessing his people. Weekly. And you know what's even better? <laughs> Number two thing I want you to write down is Daily. Uh, Some Christians call this a daily devotion. Others call it their quiet time. If you have children in your home, there is never a quiet time, so you call it a kind of quiet time. (laughs) This is when you just have this chance to connect with God on your own. No one's preaching at you. It's just your time to worship, to read, to study, and to pray. There's some incredible ways to do this, just in case you're new to it. Three to five times a year, our church will promote a Bible reading plan. In a couple weeks, you're going to find out an easy way to to get on board if this is new to you. Some of you, like me, you just love reading straight through books of the Bible, about one chapter a day, taking notes, rereading them, meditating on them. Um, Some of you sign up for the Time of Grace emails where I think at 4 a.m. every single morning, you get a written devotion, a video devotion, and other resources to kickstart your day. Uh, Some of you use the Bible app. How many of you have the Bible app on your phone? Yeah, look at that. And there's plans on forgiveness, salvation, the basics, anxiety, depression, divorce, reconciliation, 
raising kids, growing older, pain, suffering, confusion, and 84 other topics. So you can literally find whatever you're dealing with with a few clicks. That's absolutely free, the U version. Bible app, there's so many ways for you and I to do it. It's difficult to get and stay into the habits, but I wanna push you today. Do you think you could do it for just this week? Every single day to just open the Bible, even if it's for five minutes? I hope you can. Because life is beautiful, but life is not simple. And on Monday, when you go back to school, that kid's gonna walk into the room that you don't really like. And how you treat him matters. And maybe it's going to take the devotion you had just before you left the house. It's going to remind you to treat him with grace and with patience and with kindness. And maybe this Wednesday is the Wednesday you hear some really disturbing news. When the annual checkup isn't just another checkup, there's something that shakes your heart. When someone you thought you could trust violates your trust, when you look at your bank account or your report card, you don't know how you're gonna cope when the anxiety comes back hard. The truth is, I don't want you to have to wait until next Sunday for some good news that will give you great joy. The Holy Spirit does not want 24 hours to pass without the chance to comfort you and guide you and teach you. And so this might be revolutionary for you, but maybe before you open the Netflix, maybe before you grab the phone, maybe before you, you watch another TikTok video, what you could do is open the one book that has been changing hearts and lives for thousands of years. So weekly, daily, let me give you one last practical tip. Uh, how many of you are kind of organized calendar keepers like I am? Yeah, yeah, maybe 25% of us. All right, for us, the simplest way to do this, because if it's in the calendar, it will happen. All right? So, put it in the calendar, right? Here's what my calendar looks like. Every single Sunday, I'll write my little box for going to church. Here in the little habits section, the first list I have is my devotion. I can check the box. I even have a backup box checker on my app that I look at every single morning, right? So this is here, and this helps me not to miss it. And if you're structured, this is what you should do too. Make a box, check the box, get it done. Who of you are not so structured? You don't have a daily calendar? A whole bunch of you? Uh, what are you, are, like most of you not voting today? What's up with that? All right, uh, so that's like half the hands went up between those two options. All right, if this is a, a struggle for you, if you're not a super like type A person, here's your next step. Ask a friend. All right, like don't, don't wait until Tuesday. Today, I'll even let you text in the middle of this sermon if you want to. Say, hey, uh, I'm trying to get to church every Sunday for the next month. Will you make sure I do it? Will you come with me? Will you ask me on Monday about it? Hey, my pastor just challenged me. Next seven days, I'm going to be in the Bible every day. Can you make sure I get that done? And let that beautiful, positive Christian peer pressure be the thing that drives you to do the job that gets you back to the one thing that matters the most. Because when all is said and done, every day and every week and every year, I want you to learn what Esther's people did. We should be dead and gone. But because of Christ, we are alive. That we will not forget the blood he shed, that his death brings liberty, that there's mercy for the people of God. God is worth remembering. And your calendar can help you remember. And that is the book of Esther. What do you think?
Five stars? Yeah? Like, <laughs> we want more Esther. We're, we, we got to the end, man. I'm sorry. What do you want me to do with that? Blame the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Before I say amen, let me remind you of what you've learned in case you forgot. We learned, first of all, that God puts people in place for a purpose. You might be in a good time of life, might be in a hard one, but there's a reason for that. God has a purpose. We learned that doing right is worth the risk. If you need to confess an embarrassing sin, if you need to confront a stubborn sinner, if you need to ask a question because you're ignorant about the Bible, doing right is worth the risk. We learned that truth is attention, right? Two truths won't lie to you. We learned that there are no coincidences. There's just providence. A God who is working out all things for the good of his people. We learned about joy, fight, win. That was one of my favorites. And today we learned that the calendar helps us remember. And all of those beautiful things are in 10 chapters of this little book of Esther. The story that proves that God in all things works for the good. Let's pray. Uh, God, today feels like, um, feels like New Year's Eve. Uh, thinking about the future, making resolutions to be different people. Uh, but we all know how that works. Uh, it's easy to talk big in the midst of the emotion. It's really hard to do it when it's just us and the action. And so we're asking for your Holy Spirit and for your people to rally together in this moment to help us create good spiritual roots. To devote ourselves entirely to these spiritual disciplines. Not because we, we always have to, God, but because we want to remember you. There's such beautiful things when we remember that you're present, that you're powerful, that you're patient, that you're loving, that you're gracious, that you're forgiving, that you remember the sins of our youth no more. We're, we're so grateful for all those things, God, and we don't want to forget. So help us to do that hard work of starting new habits and maintaining them. Help us not just to think of our own habits, but of the habits of our church community that we could spur one another on towards love and good deeds so that all of us here would remember your mercy and your love that we find at the cross of Jesus Christ. We pray all these things, God, with hope because we're remembering today who you are, the God who loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in that son would not perish in hell, but would have eternal life in your presence. So we pray all these things today with joy. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.